It's time for the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores. Capital Mazda, Stevens Creek Mazda, Concord Mazda, and Team Mazda. Hey, it's Shondell Grand. And right now we've got a huge selection of brand new Mazdas with exciting spring incentives across our entire lineup. Plus, you can buy your new Mazda completely online with our exclusive no-brainer checkout. Don't miss the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores in San Jose, Concord, and Vallejo. Coming to you from the heart of Silicon Valley, this is CUDA Confidential, the official podcast of the San Jose Barracuda, AHL affiliate of the San Jose Sharks. Now, here's your host, Nick Nolenberger. Our next guest went undrafted after five years in the OHL, but is now in his 11th season of professional hockey and is first within the Sharks organization. He's a veteran of over 650 AHL games, and earlier this year he notched both his 200th AHL goal and 500th AHL point. We'd like to welcome Barracuda captain Andrew Agazzino to the Cuda Confidential podcast. This podcast is fun because it affords us an opportunity to go all the way back get an idea of your life leading to this point and to your time in San Jose and, and gives fans an opportunity to see the path that it takes for a guy to reach the highest level of the sport. So I want to go all the way back. You're from Kleinberg, Ontario. It's about an hour outside of Toronto. What was your earliest hockey memory? It, it's in the culture. It'd almost be hard to think that you wouldn't play being a Canadian kid, but what do you remember about the first time you laced up the skates and, and got on the ice? I think my earliest memories probably, I mean, where I started skating was a field trip for my brothers and sisters, my older siblings at school. And my mom was doing the parent chaperone and she kind of just said, well, you got to come along for it. And uh, I went there and I think I just told her I want to try it out. So she threw me on the skates. And ever since then, that was, that was the rest is history. But I think that's my first kind of memory of being on the ice. Were there any other sports that you played as a kid or was it always hockey? I played soccer in the summers a little bit, but um, as I got into teenager, it was kind of just hockey. I wish I probably would have played some baseball because I love just love baseball. And but no, it's mainly hockey. You mentioned your older brother; he played as well, and I'm sure it was a family affair where you're driving the kids to the rink and there's multiple games going on and practices at the same time. But your brother Daniel played for a long time, a little bit older than you. What impact did he have on your career? Was it a situation where you're looking up to him and watching what he's doing and wanting to just emulate your older brother? hundred percent. It's exactly what it was because my parents got us on the same, in the same organization. So being older, our, my practice would be at six o'clock. His would be at eight o'clock or our games would be an hour before his. We were always kind of back to back, um, which was awesome because I got to hang around the rink as long as I wanted and, you know, hang out with the guys on his team, the older guys, which is always cool when you're growing up. So uh, it was definitely something that you know, you look to see what they're doing, the older guys, how do they act? How do, what do they do on the ice? You try and emulate that. But it was definitely cool to, for me to be around the older guys as much as I was. As the tables turned a little bit in the sense that he's no longer playing, at least at a competitive level, now you're the one still playing. Does he ever talk to you about your game? Do you guys go back and forth at all? We definitely talk hockey a lot. We don't really talk about my game personally, to be honest. Um, I think we're both just such big fans of sports in general, but hockey for sure. And um, you know, we'll talk on the phone for just about hockey, what happened the night before league events, um, with any sport, but yeah, we definitely still talk a lot of hockey, but not so much about my game or, or personally. So when you decide to be done playing, do you think you'll still watch a lot of hockey? Cause some guys just 
cut it out of their lives. They're kind of burnt. They're, they're sick of it. Do you, do you see yourself still watching? And yeah, I, I, for sure. I do. I think it's been such a big part of my life playing for so long. And I think to just kind of move on to something completely different and kind of push that completely in the past uh, would be tough to do. You played, you mentioned you played in the same program as your brother, the Greater Toronto Hockey League. It's kind of notorious for producing NHL talent and professional hockey players. You had a couple of guys who made it to the NHL on some of your earlier teams. I was looking at Sadikis, who plays in New York with the Islanders, Sherratt with Detroit. What do you remember about that time? And I would imagine that area, that part of the country with the population that it is, it's got to be a pretty competitive a youth hockey circuit, if you will. So what do you remember about that time and playing playing your youth hockey before the OHL? Yeah, it certainly is competitive. It's probably too competitive at the younger ages, to be honest. And I think it's just how crazy hockey is in Toronto. That's just the nature of it. But um, we were a really good team. We, even guys that didn't move on to play pro or, or in the NHL were really good players. So it was a, so much fun um, to play with those guys growing up because, we, like I said, we were such a good team. And when you play in those tournaments against other good teams, whether it be from other parts of Canada or the U.S., it was it was really cool. Those were like such fun games to be a part of just because there's so much hype, especially leading up towards the OHL draft season um, to play all these new teams and new players that it's it, it was made for a lot of fun. Where do you think you get your playing style? Because from a, a stature standpoint, you're not a huge guy, but you have no problem going into those greasy areas and mixing it up. And then obviously your offensive side side of your game as well. But where do you kind of get that that edge, I guess, from? I, I, I don't know exactly. I think um, probably taking all the beatings from my brother in the basement growing up maybe kind of helped with that. But I just kind of always had the mentality like, you know, you're not – good enough to just solely rely on your skill. You got to be able to put some other tools in, in your belt and be able to contribute other ways, because a lot of times there's going to be games where, you know, offensively it's not working for, and you got to somehow find a way to be um, effective and be a, a positive impact on the team, whether that's face-offs, penalty killing, um, you know, physical play, whatever it is. So uh, I don't really know where that kind of comes from. It's just kind of a way that I feel the game should be played and needs to be played. And it's from a personal standpoint, that's how I have to play. Do you feel like when you first came into the professional level, this is 10 or, or so years ago now that being at your size, you had to be willing to battle in those tougher areas, I guess, to survive. I mean, that's almost a necessity nowadays, maybe not so much just because the game is played more so on the perimeter. Do you feel like that was almost mandatory for you to be a pro hockey player? <laughs> Absolutely. Especially not being a drafted player and not, coming in with that um, footing as a prospect to kind of get my foot in the door. Um, I kind of felt like I had to do anything and everything just to, just to stay in the American league. Cause my first season was a lockout year as well. So there was a lot more players who were in the NHL the year before who were down there taking up spots. So um, I kind of felt like I had to do whatever it was to, to try and make an impact. And I think the game was different then too, than it is now where a lot of most young players come in and they're it's, it's all offense and skill and they can kind of not have to worry about that part of the game. But I think it's, it was a lot different 10 years ago when I came in. You mentioned battling with your brother, taking beatings down in the basement. That's almost 
a tradition that goes many, many, many decades in Canadian households. What was life like in the Agazino house? And was it a situation where you guys were constantly down in the basement shooting pucks and there was puck marks everywhere and dents in the wall? Was it just your classic Canadian family? Yeah, it was. If the weather was nice, we were outside from when we got home till sun went down. The winter months, we were in the basement and playing anywhere from full-size baseball bats to baseball, football, hockey, full-size sticks. There was holes in the wall left, right, and center. And we'd try to push the furniture in front to cover them up as best we could. But, you know, the second my mom would come downstairs and see the couch on the other side of the wall, she knew something was up. So, but the basement was just kind of, I felt bad my parents finished it because we destroyed it, but that was our play area or play haven where we just kind of let it all go. And, um, you know, a lot of... uh, a lot of fisticuffs that came flying because it starts off as a fun in games, but yeah, we tore that basement apart. <laughs> I think my mom would have preferred that growing up in California. We just don't have basements. So the puck marks ended up being right on the front of the house. So <laughs> yeah. I think she would have preferred it being isolated in the basement. Yeah. Uh, I could just imagine though, the visual of that and you guys just battling away for every single inch down in that basement. Your brother played very shortly, but he played overseas. He played in Italy. And that, that Agazino last name, that sounds Italian to me, and correct me yeah. if I'm wrong, but tell me a little bit about your heritage and your your family's ties to Italy. So actually, my father was born in Sicily, in Italy, um, and he came to Canada when he was about 10 years old. Um, and it's kind of odd because everyone who came over, his aunts and uncles and everyone, they all settled in Cleveland. And his family with his father and mother and siblings were the only ones who came to Canada. So a lot of his, all his cousins and aunts and uncles are still in Cleveland to this day. So we actually have a huge connection there, which was nice when I started my career there because they were all there. So he came over when he was about 10 years old. And then, um, you know, obviously he fell in love with the game and that's what kind of started my brother and I playing it. But uh, my, my brother played over there for, I think one year, um, half a year maybe, but it was a cool experience for him. He's something, he finished his junior career and he was kind of started working with my dad a little bit and said, I want to try and go play over there and just experience it. And he went and he got hurt and it didn't end obviously the way he wanted, but um, he was really happy he got that experience. Did your dad play at all? Did he start playing the game coming to Canada or was just the kids? No, he, uh, he, he didn't play at all. Like I said, he's like my brother. Right? He's, he's, probably even more of a sports junkie than I, you put if there any sport that's on the TV, he can watch. It doesn't matter. He can talk about it. He knows everything. So he's just a sports junkie like us. So he just kind of fell in that and he gravitated towards hockey. And that's why kind of, we started that. We'll dive into your pro career and in the start of your pro career, you mentioned Cleveland though. Lake Erie's was your first taste of a full-time professional hockey with the Lake Erie monsters. So that had to be pretty cool to have that family connection there. And was that something that drove you to sign with the Colorado avalanche at the time, or was it just kind of a coincidence that it worked out? Uh, it was pure coincidence that that was the only team that was willing to give me a contract. <laughs> um, couldn't really be too picky, but it, it was when we found out that it was Cleveland and, uh, I think my first ever AHL game there, we had, you know, 25, 30 people from Cleveland family, Agazinos there to watch me. And um, that was really cool, especially with my parents. It's only five hours away. They come down a lot of the weekends, get to see the, their family and come watch the games. We could all hang out. So that was something that was really cool about playing Cleveland for three years. My family has ties to Ohio. In fact, both my parents are from there. And I always remember my dad mentioned it a few times, but there's a humongous Italian population, especially in the, the greater Cleveland area. So oh, yeah. it makes sense. The Agazinos and yeah. uh, 
That's pretty cool that you got to start your career there and they just happen to be there. What a fitting uh, start to it. Let's dive into your OHL time. You were a first round draft pick into the Ontario Hockey League and you played for the Niagara Ice Dogs, had a great career. You guys had some had some guys, obviously, who went on to play in the NHL. You had great teams. Uh, I think of the Hamilton brothers. Um, yeah. One of them, Freddie, used to be a, a San Jose Shark for a short period of time. Ryan Strom, Brett Ritchie was on that team, Alexiak. So you can go down the list of guys who went on to play in the NHL. Was that quite a thrill for you being a kid who grew up just outside of Toronto to play in that league? And was that your initial goal, even before looking beyond the NHL, was the OHL something that you felt was obtainable? Yeah, absolutely. That's like you said, being around that area, we had growing up, we had three or four teams within 45 minutes of us. So uh, my brother, my dad and I, we'd go watch a lot of OHL games growing up. And when you're younger, you see on a Friday night, you go to Kitchener and it's 8,000 people packed. You're like, wow, this that feels like the NHL for you. So it was cool because Niagara too was a team that had just moved from Mississauga. And we had this old rink that was packed and the fans in St. Catharines in Niagara just absolutely loved the team from day one. So it was a really cool place to play. We mentioned you were selected in the first round and you also alluded to that move. It, you were selected by Mississauga and the franchise ends up moving to and becoming Niagara. During the time you spent two years as the captain, you were there as an overager as well. <laughs> but I want to ask about that situation because you you weren't drafted, and I'm sure that was a disappointing development, but not drafted in the NHL. Do you feel like as you have, have kind of viewed your career from, from a, an outside lens, did you feel like you weren't drafted? Was it simply based off of your physical stature at, at that time? Again, it was a different era. Do you feel like that was one of the biggest reasons? Because you're a high OHL pick, yeah. you had great numbers. Was it just a size thing? Yeah, I feel... That, like you said, that was kind of a different mentality, different era then. Um, obviously, I haven't seen from 30,000 feet video of myself back then. I'm sure there's a lot of different parts of my game that aren't as maybe polished as I would have liked them to be. But I certainly think that was probably a factor. But at the end of the day, that's just kind of different paths that everyone takes. Everyone's got their own story. And that just kind of happened to, to be the way mine went. So you mentioned... Lake Erie, now the Cleveland Monsters, for those who aren't familiar with that that name, they basically changed the name after they won the Calder Cup back, I think, in 2015. But you signed with Lake Erie, an American League deal, your first season. And you mentioned it was a lockout year. So all of a sudden, the American League is much more competitive league at that time, given the fact you've got a lot of fringe NHL guys playing in that league. And you end up making the All-Star team as a rookie. You scored, I believe, in your first game at the game-winning goal. I was looking up. So what a start to your career. But just going back to that season, when did it click for you that you felt like you belonged? Because when you're undrafted, I'm sure there's a seed of doubt in your mind that am I going to get up to the pro level? Am I going to get to the National Hockey League? You get that first step, you sign that AHL deal. But when did it kind of click and, and start to, to settle in that maybe you do belong at the very least at this level? Yeah, I think that probably was a couple of months in. Actually, funny stories. We talked about it before with my buddy Calvin Pickard, who's on Bakersfield now. Being the lockout, being on an HL deal, I didn't wasn't sure if I'd be there or not. And I remember we were coming home from a game in Toledo, a preseason game, and we were sitting on the bus together. And we've been told if your phone rings at the hotel in your room, you know, come see us at the rink. You're all you're getting cut essentially. So I remember we didn't have an East Coast League team, and I think all we had was a Central League team. Back then, it was the Denver Cutthroats, which I don't think they were around too long. But And I remember telling him, like, yeah, like, if my phone rings, I don't think I'm going to go there. I'm just going to go home and kind of move on with it, and that's it. And um, got back to the hotel probably midnight and woke up the next morning. Phone hadn't rung yet, and 
ended up making the team. Uh, and like you said, scoring in, in the first game later that week. But I think towards the, you know, you had a good start to the year, but towards maybe the first couple, two, after two months, you kind of learn the league and learn the pro game a little bit. I kind of thought, okay, I, I am having a good season and maybe being naive at the time too, you think that it's, um, it's just going to continue. But there was also, you know, stretches of that year where I remember, you know, not playing so well and maybe going 10, 15 games out of goal. And um, those are kind of aspects of it that you learn from. But I think probably a couple months in the season, I would have thought, hey, you know, I can maybe have a good season here. And then getting named the all-star team um, was something like, okay, this is, this is something that I can kind of snowball here into, into maybe, um, you know, something better, which I ended up getting an NHL deal out of. Was that just a young Andrew Agazino fighting himself and, and telling himself, if I don't make this team, I, I'm not going to the Central Hockey League. I'm, I'm not doing that. Or do you feel like that was an actual reality that you would have just said, I'm done? Yeah, I mean, I think on. at that point, like, you don't know much about the AHL, let alone what's below it and stuff like that. So I just kind of thought, um, you know, if I didn't, wasn't going to be able to play in the AHL that year, that it's probably better off to just go back and, and move on with it and, I thought I had a pretty good training camp, but then again, like we had three guys, every team had three or four guys who should have been in the NHL, but were down in the AHL that year. So I wasn't really sure which way it was going to go. And it's funny because me and, and, and Pickard have laughed about that story, um, you know, years, years past after that. So if you had went back, what would you have done? Would you have went to Canadian college or what were your thoughts? Yeah. So I had my, my, my education package from the OHL still available to me. I probably would have done that and, um, and, and, and started working for, for my dad and the family business. But um, I think at that point, it's, you know, your OHL, successful OHL career just finished. You lose in the finals. You come to the reality that you're not going to be around, you know, three or four guys that I would play four years with ever again kind of thing. And it's like there's so much emotion kind of going into it that you – it's hard to really know what's next. Um, so I think I probably would have just – like I said, gone back to school and just kind of started working for my dad and then kind of see what's what from there. Describe to fans who are unfamiliar with that process. One of the incentives for a guy to go to the Canadian Hockey League is that, hey, we're going to pay for your schooling if you don't end up going pro. But there's a small window. So d- describe to fans who are unfamiliar with that, how that works and how long the league will pay for your schooling. And it's Canadian college, correct? It's it's not U.S. college. Yeah, right? I, I believe it's Canadian college. And this could have changed in since I was there. But um, as far as I remember, it's every – and every contract is different. I think first-round picks have a little more than others. But it's every year you play, I think you get a year of university play, paid for. Um, and there's different ways you can break it down. Some are including housing or dorms. Uh, some are – including textbooks and there's different ways uh, that it's broken down, but essentially if you play in the OHL, you get um, your college education paid for afterwards by the league. So you mentioned the family business. What does your dad do? Uh, they do uh, plumbing, high rise plumbing uh, in Toronto. Um, actually my sister, both my sisters work there. My brother works there. My uncle, my dad's brother, my uncle's there. So I'm, I'm kind of the only one who like split and kind of went the opposite way. <laughs> And they're they're when they're working, they're thinking that you're having all the fun. You're like, they're they're gosh darn it, Andrew. What are you gonna Yeah, exactly? Exactly. I want to ask you, we're number nine when you were in junior. I think you wore nine at one point, maybe in Chicago during your yeah. pro career, but mostly you've worn 26 for a good portion of it. So where does the number 26 come from? Uh, 
I wore 13 growing up all, all the whole time. And then my brother did as well and started on that in nine junior. I just kind of liked nine. I just chose that one just because I think 13 was available, but I just didn't really want it. And then it's kind of jumped around a little bit with pro. You kind of don't really get the chance to choose all the time. And I think it was five years ago. Um, I said, I'm going to, I want 26 and I've been lucky enough to just kind of have that. I thought maybe 13, change it up, double it to 26. I don't know. <laughs> Something like that. Was 13 paying tribute to Matt Sundin, who was. It actually was. That, was. that was my brother up. and I's favorite player growing up, the captain of the Leafs. He was, uh, he was for sure our favorite player. And that's probably, yeah, that's where it came from. <laughs> so we went all the way back to the start of your pro career. You're now in year number 11, and I'm sure it's flown by for you. But as you reflect on young Andrew, when you first started now at this point in your career, what do you think is probably the biggest change? Um. Probably, maybe not as, uh, i trying to think of the best way to describe it, but, you know, coming in, you're kind of naive and you're like a little dog running around yapping with maybe like a chicken with your head cut off kind of, but I think I've taken a step back and kind of focused a little more on, on the game as opposed to the extracurriculars that sometimes take energy away from your game. But like you said, when you're young and you're coming in, you're excited and there's big stadiums and big fans and, you know, it's, it's easy to kind of get away and get wrapped up in that stuff. But I think as the years have gone on, I've kind of calmed down a bit in that aspect. It certainly still flares up every now and then, but I think that's a good thing and it has to, but that's probably the, the main, the main thing for me. Well, you're highly competitive. You can see it when, when you, when we watch you play and just your style of play. But again, when you're a young player too, you're trying to make an impression. So it's just a, right. I would imagine it's a different mindset. You had to cut your teeth in the American league. You spent two full seasons before you finally made your NHL debut. Take us back to that time. It was with the avalanche against the Carolina hurricanes. It was a win. I believe you picked up an assist. What do you remember about the call? What do you remember about knowing that you were going to be in the lineup and then about fulfilling that lifelong dream? Uh, um, I remember getting the call. I think it was a game day in Cleveland. Uh, I got the call around just before I'd taken a nap, so mid-afternoon, and got in a plane, flew to Colorado. And it was actually cool because our full line, they had a bunch of injuries the night before, our full line in the AHL with Ben Street and Thomas Vinsur, we all got called up. So we ended up playing as a line together um, and scored a, a goal in our first couple of shifts. I got an assist on, like you said. But I remember just um, – walking in there and, and the first kind of you played preseason games and that's one thing but the first actual game day of being in the nhl and going in for morning skate it's just it's it's something that you've thought so much about and you think you know how it's going to go and you have an idea but it's just like you're so in the moment that it just kind of is a blur but i, I definitely remember you know jerome mcginlow was on that team and he was a favorite player of mine growing up um so to be able to play that game. And I remember I still have the game sheet and see his name on it. And some of the others, um, it, it was pretty cool, but it was a night that my parents got to be able to be there. My, my wife was my girlfriend at the time. She got to be there a couple of siblings. So that was just the day that um, you work so hard for and you'll, and you'll never forget it. What is that feeling when you walk into the room and you see that Jersey hanging with your last name on it? What's going through your mind? Like I said, it's something that you've thought of a, a million times growing up. Um, and just to see that, and it doesn't matter what team it's with, really. It's just like to have that logo and to be in the NHL. It's something that no one 
can ever take away from you. And that's something that a lot of people who play the game never have the opportunity to experience. So just to have that happen is um, it's, it's almost breathtaking to a certain degree. A couple of years later, you score your first NHL goal. It happens to be Gabe Landeskog, the captain's 400th point. It was yeah. on your buddy Malcolm Subban. And to yeah. bury one, it's one thing to play in the game, right? But to score a goal as a goal scorer and a guy who's provided offense throughout your career, I'm sure that had to be one, a thrill, two, a relief, right? Yeah, especially because I, I, I think it might have been a couple of years in between being in the NHL. So um, I was having a great season that year when I called up. It was kind of one of those – like, am I ever going to get called back up? Who knows? Maybe that was it. Blah, blah, blah. So to get back up there and I was having a great season, I, I felt great about where I was at. Um, and to get that goal was, was the next step of that lifelong dream that I talked about earlier. So that is even more than the, than the game day, the first game feeling. But um, yeah, I remember it was a backdoor pass, kind of an offside one time around on my good buddy, Malcolm Subban. Um and it's something that I, I still remind him about in the summers because we see each other quite often. But uh, it was that was kind of the uh, uh, more of like, wow, I'm in the NHL moment than even the first game. You mentioned your NHL debut, your girlfriend at the time, now your wife, Julia, was there. Now you guys have a family. We, we talked about what, what was different when you first started as, as a pro. You weren't a dad. Now you're, you're a young father. You've got two kids, Harlow and Hudson, a boy and a girl. What's fatherhood like and how has that changed your entire world? Yeah, it, it certainly has changed the entire world. It changed, I think it changes everything um, about your life. I think the second you become a parent, something it's an instant, something changes and um, different priorities, different, you know, you're all, all of a sudden you were the focal point of your own life. And now that's, you know, pushed to the back burner. Um, but it's amazing. It's to see, I mean, my young, my oldest is almost four now, and just to see year to year how she has progressed and how you know big and smart she gets and uh, mouthy too, but <laughs> um, it's 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 cool to see. It's it's unbelievable to watch them grow up, and it certainly changes you know the hockey lifestyle. Before we could just roll into a city and you know, oh yeah, this apartment looks nice in the middle of downtown, wherever we want. And uh, now there's certainly a little more legwork goes into making sure we have all the amenities that we need um, for a young family. But it's it's something that um, is truly special to, to, for them to be a part of. And and for them, to even like, they don't come to many games, but when they do come to a game for her to see that and, um, you know, come to the glass and warm up, she she loves that. And I think I enjoy it more than her. That was going to be my follow-up question. Harlow, you mentioned is four. That, that's starting to get to that age where they're much more aware of what's going on. Does she realize that dad's – off to sometimes on the road or going to the rink to play games. Does she kind of recognize that maybe dad has a different job than, than the rest of the parents? Yeah. That, yeah. She, she definitely does because she, she calls it going to work at tech CU arena, which I, I found pretty funny, but uh, yeah, no, she definitely gets it. Um, she, I mean, she cut, she enjoys coming to games. They're a little late for her sometimes. So the afternoon games are perfect, but when she comes there, she enjoys it. I think if you ask her, her favorite part is probably getting the chicken fingers and fries. But uh, she definitely – I think I enjoy seeing her at the class more than she even would ever realize. This is your first season in San Jose. You played in this Pacific division. You played the Sharks in your career. You played the Barracuda in your career. Um, you signed a two-year deal this offseason. We've talked about it. Just the stability with a young family is obviously a very valuable thing for you. But what have you enjoyed most about being – 
in San Jose and working with these young guys and, and just experiencing this organization this year? Well, I think the whole with the new rink and the new kind of leadership and way that organization is going, it's an exciting thing to be a part of, especially with a lot of the pieces we have that are playing with us now. Um, you know, I think our team's only gotten better as the year has gone on with how much inexperience we had at the start of the year. I think guys are getting valuable experience and, you know, we may not be as high as we want in the stands, but I think we're moving in the right direction as a team. And um, at the end of the day, whether you're fifth, sixth, and when you get into the playoffs, it doesn't really make that much of a difference. So it's been, it's been fun to see these younger players take on bigger roles and, and become better players. But uh, as far as enjoying San Jose, we're, we're enjoying it. It's, We've been lucky. We've had a bunch of winters off in the, in our career, being in San Antonio and Anaheim for a bit. Um, but we're enjoying it. Our, our we got Harlow in, in preschool, and she loves it. So just to be settled and know that we're here for for two seasons, like you said, was was really big for us. Well, it's been fun watching your game. It's been fun getting to know you as well. And uh, we wish you the best of luck down, down the stretch. And as this season continues, it does feel like this group is only scratching the surface on what you guys can do. And as soon as you build that momentum, it, it seems like it may snowball. But uh, thank you again for the time and uh, best of luck down the down the remainder stretch of this season. All right. Thanks, Noli. Appreciate it, man. A huge thanks to Barracuda Captain Andrew Agazzino for joining us. For more great Barracuda content, head to sjbarracuda.com. That'll do it for this edition of Cuda Confidential. I'm Nick Nolenberger saying thanks for listening and so long until next time. This has been a presentation of San Jose Barracuda Hockey. Country music in the Bay Area. Bay Country 94.5 and 92.1 in the East Bay. I'm going to need some whiskey glasses. Drinking beer almost as cold as you. And Bobby Bones in the morning. Hello to the Bay Area. I'm Bobby Bones. Make sure you wake up with us on Bay Country. This is your invite to join us right now. The Bay Area is making a move to the all-new Bay Country 94.5 and 92.1 in the East Bay. Listen online from anywhere. KBayCountry.com.